Hey, my friend, welcome to Fine is a Four Letter Word. My name is Lori Seitz. I'm an entrepreneur, mentor, founder of Zen Rabbit, and your instigator in saying fuck being fine. This show is for those of you who are done living with the dumpster fire and are ready to find the tools and courage to transform, to step into more success and fulfillment in both your personal and business life. You're in the right place for stories of self-discovery, gratitude, and connection. And to help you strengthen that connection to your own inner guidance, you'll find each episode has an accompanying meditation. Now let's get into it. Hey there, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Fine is a Four-Letter Word. Today's guest is someone who's making waves in the health and wellness industry. Dr. Amy Baker is a former pharmacist and healthcare administrator who left it all behind to follow her passion and purpose. Now she's an empowerment activist and human slash humane mentor determined to change the way we think about health. I love that she's helping people see through the bullshit narratives of their lives so they can cultivate sovereignty, inspiration, and intimacy in love, life, and work in that order. Dr. Amy has a message for anyone who's felt like they weren't enough or too much, who's stuck in a job that's draining their soul, to follow your passions and find your purpose, just like she did. Like many of my guests, her journey wasn't easy, but the reward of living authentically and being true to herself has brought her a sense of peace and purpose. Are you sensing a theme in recent episodes that goes beyond people taking sabbaticals? Now she's on a mission to help others do the same. So let's dive in and learn from the amazing Dr. Amy Baker. Today's episode is sponsored by Zen Rabbit. If you'd like to find peace of mind amidst the chaos and no matter what's going on around you, you'll find a whole bunch of free resources like meditations and articles at zenrabbit.com. And while you're there, if you're curious about how you might stop working so hard, and achieve more success at the same time. Get a copy of the five easy ways to start living a sabbatical life. It's a short guide to working less and living better. Find it all at zenrabbit.com. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Find is a Four-Letter Word. I was about to say I'm so excited to have Dr. Amy Baker here. And then it occurred to me that I say that every episode. Like I'm so excited because I love Every single one of my guests, they just show up for me. And I love how the universe works in that way. And it brings me the most, the coolest, the most coolest people. (laughs) Dr. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. (laughs) It is my pleasure. And the the way that uh, Dr. Amy came to me through the universe was through our mutual friend, Coach Chris. So shout out to Coach Chris. Woo-hoo. Yes. Let's get, get right into it. And I want to ask you, or no, I'm eliminating the word want. If you listen back mm-hmm. to the last episode of the podcast in 2022, I talked about things that we could do without or things to pay attention to moving into the new year. And that word want, because it indicates scarcity. So yes, let's simply start with the question of what were the values and beliefs you were raised with that contributed to you becoming who you did as a young adult? Wow. 
Um, a lot of the typical societal bullshit <laughs> that <laughs> there's a certain there's a certain path to success. That success means you know a good job and good money and retirement after mm-hmm. you know retirement funds and and if you mind your p's and your q's and you dot your i's and cross your t's just right just so everything's going to be great mm-hmm. and so the other part of that was my, my strategy was to be perfect because I was an a good achiever and in order to get love I did everything perfectly. Yes. Um, which worked in some ways for a while until it didn't. <laughs> yeah, I, I can totally relate to that. And I'm sure the listeners can relate to that as well. I'm curious, are you the oldest child? I'm the youngest. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, they were a little easier on me. My parents, it was just my sister and I. Mm-hmm. And I, I just showed a lot of promise. Um, and I had that. I hate the phrase, you have so much potential. Mm. Because it implies that I'm not okay where I'm at. Yes. And I heard that so much. And I know it was meant lovingly, but it really fucked with me. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine because, right, it's telling you you're not good enough here, but you Mm -hmm. could be good if you try a little harder. (laughs) Yeah. Just keep trying harder. Just like maybe it's a moving it's a moving target. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So how did that play out in, in who you became and what choices you made at, as at your, for your career? Wow. So when I followed my, there's a few ways that showed up. When I followed my dream to be a ballerina, I left home at 16 um, to go study in the Bay Area. That was great. But then my perfectionism came in, was a severe anorexic, um, depressed, and I mean, there were a lot of beautiful things about it and that perfectionism and needing external validation led to uh, some not so great things. So when I didn't do that, mainly because my parents wanted me to go to college, they're like, don't follow Mm -hmm. your passion, follow the safe path. So I ended up giving up that and saying, well, I want a doctorate. And I went... uh, Applied to medical and pharmacy school. I really wanted to be a physician, actually. Mm-hmm. And I applied to both schools and pharmacy took me and medical didn't. Kind of like a lot of my relationships after that. I, I went with what who would take me. <laughs> yes. Okay. Right. <laughs> it's not external... about what I want. It's what I can get or what they are willing to give me. Yeah. Like, oh, you love me. Okay, I need that to feel whole. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with that. I mean, not that extreme, but looking back, I definitely see that that codependent behavior showing up every part of my life um, until the past yeah. couple of years, for sure. Yeah, and I so I entered a doctor of pharmacy um, program, four years of college, $175,000 in student loan debt. And then after 11 years of that, I was like, Oh, wait, I never actually believed in this. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I went I went to do this, but I don't actually like this field. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's like a quick arc, but how, that was... How did that show up for you? Like, was it like a, a lightning bolt? You were in a meditation one day and you just got like this massive insight or what happened? How did you figure that out? No, I think... 
so going into pharmacy, they often referred to dis-ease state management disease. And I mm-hmm. like it made me want to puke at the time, and it still does. But I kind of stuffed that away because I had to justify my devotion to my field. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was a leader. <laughs> I couldn't acknowledge that. Yeah. But about um, 2017, things started to shift for me when I realized that my soul, I had, I wrote this poem, like my soul was, there's like a leak in my boat. Mm. My vitality was slowly draining. And I knew that it it was partially because I wasn't in alignment. And I would go and take this great money that I was making and like, I kind of liken it to my eating disorders where I would binge on soul filling activities, you know, like Dr. Clarissa Pancola Estes and these retreats that I'd fill up on mm-hmm. and then carry that and hope that sustained me in, in a job where eventually that was like, oh, so I'd binge and purge, binge and purge. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, uh, this isn't sustainable. Right. And right. it's not actually helping. <laughs> well, I, I, and I imagine that it would be like, um, you know, like an addict. Like it starts out, I only need one every six months and then I need it every four months and then I need it every week. Like I need to go on a retreat every week. And then you're like, hmm, I might have a problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I started seeing the pattern and I knew that my job was not fulfilling um, at that point. Like, the, like I said, it was about a four year period. Mm-hmm where I was kind of complaining about it, trying to get my way out of Oregon until the the point where I was like, I'm sick of hearing myself complain. And I'm sure my friends are too. Yeah. Um, So what do I do about this? And I had a perfect storm. I'm sure many people had a perfect storm in 2020, but, but that's when, when I was able to shift out of that job and into something that is in alignment with what I believe. Mm. And I'm happy to share that. If yeah. That's where you yeah. want to go. Like, yeah, yeah. We'll get into that. But it's, it's interesting because similar to many people's stories, everything was fine for a very long time until it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Or, you yeah. know, it's fine, but not fine. It just takes a long time to get up the courage. I was on a call this morning doing a presentation on courage and how it's not the absence of fear. It's it's moving forward, even though you feel the fear. And that finding that courage can take a while. Yeah. It can take, you know, even though you know things aren't right, finding the courage to take the action that you know you need to take takes a little while. Yeah. Yeah. And it's being like almost on a, I, I envision a, a journey kind of like the books I used to read as a kid, like the choose your own adventure mm-hmm. where it's like, mm, there's so many forks in the road. And can I, the more you align with something, the more synchronicity happens and stuff starts presenting. And, and I started going, okay, things are presenting. Yeah. This is a good sign. I'm, I'm, I think I'm on the right path, but it wasn't an overnight. Right. Now there, there was, there was a moment. <laughs> yes. That was the decision maker for me. What was that? Um, but it took four years to get there. So when I mentioned the perfect storm, I, in 2020, I had a relationship crisis where, internal crisis, where I was dating a guy and he 
for about three months and he ghosted me and I just went into six weeks of severe depressed like grief. Wait, after three months he ghosted you? Like not just Yeah, completely ghosted me. Like I moved into a couple yeah, of I won't dates. the whole story. But- wow. Okay. <laughs> and and so I went into six weeks of crazy grief, like mm-hmm. crying six hours a day and I was started walking. I just could barely function. And I said, I need to fix this. I am not doing this to myself again. Mm-hmm. This is my codependency. Like, and so I entered uh, relationship school to become a relationship coach, um, really just to like work on my shit. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? I want to learn how and to fix I was me. Wanting- then maybe I can help some other people. And, and actually I want to retract that again, the fix me, there's nothing wrong with us, No, but work on that issue. Yeah, I was off path and years of therapy, eating disorder treatment program, like nothing helped me fix my codependency. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the training. And then um, I was working remote for two years in my job and they wanted me on site. And I was like, no. But basically, I had a lot of trauma surface January of 21. So I went off to Maui. And I didn't tell them because I was working remote. Right. And they never required me to tell them where I was. <laughs> And I went where I needed to heal. Mm-hmm. I was there for six weeks and they said, we need you on site tomorrow. And I was like, um, Uh-oh. that's not going to happen. Yeah. And so there was some stuff that happened. And then they said, if you want to keep your job, be on site 100% of the time. And when they said that, I, I decided I was out. Because the one thing keeping me in my job, I realized at that point, besides the good money, eight weeks of PTO, honestly, it was that I had freedom. And when that freedom went away, I was like, my value of freedom was above the job. Yeah. This is why it's so important for people to get clear on what their values are so that you can make decisions that serve you. Yeah. So if you knew that your highest value was freedom and that was being taken away, you could go, yeah, I'm out. And there's no doubt, no question, no hesitation. You just know. Yeah. Yeah. And that was part of my program. And that's what I work with people is that's the first thing we do is look at our values and are we aligned with our values or could we maybe shift how we're living in accordance with our actual values? Yeah. That's the super important. That is what I work on with clients too. At the very beginning of the fuck being fine program is we start with examining what are your values and are you living them? And one of the ways to tell that is look at your calendar and (laughs) right. Is, is your calendar filled with things that, that serve your values or not? Like if you say family is a high value, but you have no time for family in your calendar, either family is not, or you're not living in accordance with your values. Totally. And once you're aware, then you can make a change. Absolutely. Which is super empowering to yeah. know that, because then you enter that zone of like, I know this is right. Yeah. And there's no right or wrong around which values you choose. No. They're very personal. Yeah. Yeah. And they are right for you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. So after you left, yes, after you bade them goodbye, what what happened? Did you stay in Hawaii? No, I had to go back to Oregon. And actually the the perfect storm of this that was so good for me and and why I call myself an empowerment activist is... um, because my sexual trauma surfaced, part of that 
that I realized is anytime I felt powerless in my life, my body would go into fight or flight, mm. hypervigilance, get super reactive. And I didn't understand. Even if I couldn't get a word in edgewise in a conversation, it was like super activated. Now I understand that. So I'm working with a trauma therapist. I'm forced to be on site 100% of the time. I feel very powerless over what I can do in my job and, and where I can be. And, and so I was, it was essentially re-traumatizing me in this way that I could work with my therapist. And, and it helped me to realize that um, how many of our patients and providers are actually being re-traumatized if they have this in their past because they're powerless. They feel powerless to care for their patients. The patients feel powerless to advocate for themselves. Yeah. Okay. Right. Like yeah. how many people don't even realize that the system itself is likely re-traumatizing people and therefore making them, keeping them sick. Yeah. And that's why it was a perfect storm. And I don't know if I answered your question. <laughs> well, okay. So wait, um, I want to back up a second. Cause you said they required you to be on site. And so you, you said, I'm, I'm out. Well, I planned my six month exit. Oh, okay. Okay. I, so it wasn't like I quit and I'm out of here the next day. That's where I, that's why I thought maybe you stayed no. in Hawaii. Okay. Yeah, it was, I flew right back. I went on site after two years remote um, and fought the good fight and planned my six month exit. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What were you doing that like you saw this, how this was affecting the the people in your industry and so are you working now with people in your industry? Is that where Not you yet. focused your work? Okay. I would like to, for sure. And I'm still formulating what that looks like. I honestly, um, I was in a group last night and, and I think it's Nietzsche talks about the, um, the camel carrying the burdens of others. And then there's the lion that says, fuck it, I'm out. And then there's the child stage, which is where you come to aligning and, and living your life is kind of how I understood it. Okay. And I'm just coming out of the lion stage. Gotcha. Redefining who I am and, and coming out of the mentality of the healthcare field. Yeah. Um, enough to where I can know, okay, now I can approach them this way knowing, but I was still wrapped up in how they thought. Yeah. Takes, transitions take t more time than we often want. They them to take definitely i i don't even know if it's often it seems like always well always <laughs> all right maybe that's a little all-encompassing yes they do often take time <laughs> even even uh just doing work like not even talking about like life transitions it's like you plan something in your calendar and okay i'm gonna spend an two hours writing this and five hours mm -hmm. later you're still not finished and you're like what is taking me so long? <laughs> Other people yeah. would have had this done in two hours, but it's not true. It's, it's how, that's how long it takes. True. We, we want things to be shorter. Like this should only take X amount of time and it would probably only take other people X amount, but like, then we beat ourselves up because it took us longer when it probably would have taken right. everybody else longer too. <laughs> yeah. And honestly, the more we slow down, the faster that process goes. Yes. That, it feels very counterintuitive, but. Exactly. It's very counterintuitive. So speaking of being counterintuitive, talk to me since we are focusing a bit on in this season on taking sabbaticals. And I know you've taken two. Yeah. Um, so one beautiful thing. So 
I think when I, one thing I didn't share was when I did leave my job, I sold everything I own and hit the road as a nomad. So, and I had scheduled a 10-day Vipassana retreat in Texas. And it was the first time, like I've done one before, but it was at the end of the 10 days, they wanted people to serve. And I thought, holy shit, I don't have anything planned. Like, I don't need to be anywhere. Yeah, for like the first time ever, right? Ever. Yeah. Yeah. And and if I stay there, the housing is paid for. I'm being fed. Like, I have no expenses. Mm-hmm. So my savings is good. I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> let me just let me just slow down after the chaos of selling all my stuff for three months and and feel the simplicity of living like a monk mm-hmm. for a month. And I could have stayed longer, but I had some other commitments that I needed to do. Uh-huh. You can't really be online on the oh, yeah. street center. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was amazing to know that I could pause and coming out of it. My life was very simple for uh, a couple months. I was going to ask, has it stayed that way? No, no. <laughs> I created my own chaos again. Okay. <laughs> um, but I know what that's like. Mm-hmm. I know in my body, the value of it. And, you know, once I get out of my own way, I can go back to some portion of that. Do you think we can live that way? like indefinitely or is that just a place to go to rest like can people actually live in that space for a long term long term i think it depends on what you want to create in life and when i say that space you know the space after after i came out of the retreat center i was meditating an hour in the morning an hour in the evening that is very doable Mm -hmm. once you know once you've sat for 10 11 hours a day, like two hours a day is nothing. <laughs> sure. Keeping it going. <laughs> it really isn't. It's I'm, like, a, I'm, it's I'm restor- trying to imagine what it would be like to sit for 10 or 11 hours a day. Cause I'm like, I, I, I don't know if I could do that. Right. You could, it's just, I always tell people, they're like, Oh, I don't think I can do that. I'm like, you could, it's just not a high enough value right now. Yes. True. Yeah. But yeah, I think the busier you are, the better, the more like the the higher the value of sitting for an hour or two hours a day. You don't need to do it all day. People talk about flow state. Mm-hmm. That can be part of flow state. Yeah. Um, it's just touching in. Right. Yeah. yeah. To that being state, that uh, non-reactive place where the body's not driving our actions, where our brain goes offline and we don't know why we're doing what we're doing. The body is the subconscious in action. It's like, just we do these things and don't even know why, which mm-hmm. is why it's important to sit. Right. It, yeah. Habits are mm-hmm. the body. It, Joe Dispenza talks about the body driving the mind, like controlling yes. the mind because we just get into these habits and we do things out of habit. So it's the body controlling the mind. And when you sit, you give the mind the control back. Yeah, and you don't, the body's not allowed to move into action, reaction, really, yeah. based yeah. on the sensation that we're not even aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, the sensation is a subconscious leading the body. So, yeah. 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 I have, Joe Dispenza's great. He is. <laughs> he really is. I 
have a question for you about sabbatical versus vacation, because I get this from people when I talk to them about teaching people how to start living the sabbatical life, which does not Mm. necessarily mean you have to go on sabbatical for a year or even a month, but how do you incorporate some of those concepts into sabbatical life? And then people ask me, what's the difference between a sabbatical and a vacation? So I'm curious to hear your response. I'm so glad you asked that because that reminded me of why, why I knew that for me right now, nomadic life is it. And I think there's so much permission in allowing ourselves to live the sabbatical life Mm -hmm. that we just need to give ourselves. So when I was uh, working remote as a director, I would go off in, I was car camping and I would go off into forest service roads and find places with like 4G (laughs) 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 and do my work there. Wait, did you have a map that said 4G here? Oh, I have. Yes. Onyx Hunt is an app. And I would like uh, okay. mark the geomark places with where I could revisit. OK, cool. That had service. <laughs> so I figured there um, must be some kind of app. Yeah. But I I wanted to go clamming on the Oregon coast. And there was one day left in the year when I could do it in the morning at low tide. And it was a Tuesday. And I was like, shit, that's the middle of the week. And I said, screw it. I'm going to go. And I went and um, I was like clamming at 530 in the morning. And then I go in my car and take a conference call. And then I go out and clam some more and come in and take a conference call. And then I spent the rest of the day on my the back of my my tailgate on my truck looking at the ocean and working. Mm. And I I did this for the week. And I came back on a Friday. And my daughter was visiting. And I was like, is tomorrow Monday? She's like, Mom, tomorrow is Saturday. And I was like. Whoa, I feel like I feel like I didn't even work this week. And like every light bulb went off. I said, this is what I want. I want my life and my work to be intermingled in a way that supports me feeling that I'm living my life the way I want. Yes. And nothing else. I mean, to to work a full week and not feel like I worked because I was still living. I wasn't putting off my life, which is what Mm -hmm. vacation is. Yeah. Let me put off my life and then just try and binge and purge. It's like try and live that in a week or two. Yeah. Yeah. You found Doesn't true work. integration, mm-hmm. which is exactly what this is coming to me right now as we're talking. It living the sabbatical life is, is that true integration and not trying to, yeah. you know, I, I really dislike the term of work-life balance because there isn't yep. really... It, it doesn't really exist, but that integration mm-hmm. is similar to the integration that we feel when we're, when we un- really understand a concept. Like, you know, you can teach people some of the things that we've been talking about and they understand it, but it's not integrated into their being. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And that integrated it for me. Like every light bulb went off and I said, this is what I want. This is happening. And so it was that actually like that realization, that moment that when later my freedom was taken away, Mm -hmm. I was like, "Mm -mm," because I decided I want that. Yes. Yeah. Integration. Uh, Totally. Yeah. And I, I'm about to ask you another question because I have notes from that. I took from when we talked um, in our pre-show conversation and 
Uh-huh. You mentioned something about intuition versus instinct. Yeah. So I've learned an, an amazing framework to understand human behavior and life in general. And essentially, our minds either judge something as good or bad. Like every circumstance mm-hmm. is totally neutral. Yes. Until we create a story or put a judgment on it. And so if we're looking up, we'll use a person. So say I'm looking up to someone and kind of putting them on a pedestal, um, then I'm going to have an impulse towards that. That's where we have addiction, where we, that's where we have fantasizing and, you know, or, or making ourselves small in relation to someone else. If I look down on someone and judge them, I'm going to have an instinct away. It's actually survival mechanism. Mm. Like, oh, that's bad. You know, they're toxic or they're whatever. And true integration is seeing that we own all the traits that we either look up to or we look down at. And and so if we're instinctively moving away from something, we know that there's an imbalance. If we're being impulsive, like we feel like we're not in control of this impulse mm-hmm. towards someone or something, we're not integrated. And when we can balance the perception and own all the traits in that we see in others, it's in, intuition. We're actually balancing the perception in our mind. We balance the charges in our mind and then we drop into the heart. Mm. And that's where intuition is. Right. So that's where the, that's, I love that if I'm impulsive or instinct, instinctive, like gut instinct mm-hmm. is not the same as intuition. It's not. That's interesting. Because those terms yeah. are often it's, used interchangeably. Yeah. Yeah. In in this framework. I mean, everyone has their own definition mm-hmm. of what instinct is. But if I have a if I have a gut instinct away from something, that's if if it's if it's toward or away mm-hmm. in that sense, it's not from a balanced perspective. And I need to understand my thoughts around that. Mm-hmm. But if it's a knowing, I think some people call a knowing a gut instinct. Yeah. That to, that to me is intuition. So in your definition of the gut instinct that we want to move away from something, it's more of a, like an animalistic. I mean, we talk about animals having instincts. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, we're actually in the back brain yeah. at that point. Right. You know, like a people, fear. Yeah. Yeah. And so if we're judging someone positive or negative or a, a circumstance positive or negative, then we're not in our intuitive state because we're being ruled by the amygdala and by our emotions and we're reactive versus responsive. Yes. That and that right there is another reason why it's so important to get, allow yourself the space to get quiet and to meditate or to do something meditative so that you can get in touch with that inner voice. And totally when you practice meditation, regularly, you are much more able to respond instead of react. Right. Because you're fostering your observer. Mm-hmm. I like kind of put the observer, the, the observer, yep. like you observing yourself going, oh, wait, that was, that was impulsive or that wasn't, you know, yeah, um, that was from out of, out of fear, or out of judgment or. Right. Yeah, Not from your role. true, your true soul. Mm hmm. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Our higher self. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. This, I, I feel like there was so much value in this conversation that we just had that Yay. this, yes, listeners should go back and listen to it again a second time because there's so much here. Before we go though, what is your song that you listen to when you need an extra boost of energy? What's your hype song? So I, I usually don't have those, but I love your question because I just became obsessed with Morgan St. Jean. Um, do it like a girl. Okay. And um, it's a very empowering. I feel it's an empowering song for women because it names a lot of things that we tend to shove under the rug mm -hmm. and say, oh, we're fine with that. And yeah. she's like, I'm not fine with that. I'm going to call this out. Yeah. And um, yeah. And she has videos of people running on a treadmill in heels and women <laughs> running 19 miles an hour on a treadmill. She's like, run like a girl. Mm hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Let me show you how we do it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. All right. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. And then finally, if people want to continue the conversation with you, or man, I did it again. If people would like to continue the conversation with you, <laughs> how can they do that? I'm on social media as Amy RX Baker everywhere. Okay. Um, I would say go to my link tree and schedule a free call with me a half hour call and we can discuss what next steps um, you would like in your life. You would love in your life, what's your blocks are maybe, and then I can tailor a program. And also I would love to, if we can, uh, I have a, a guide six steps to a free 10 day retreat. I'd be, I'd love to share with people. Oh, cool. Um, if that's possible. Absolutely. So they can either ask me for that or we can find a way to offer that. So. Is there a link we can put again in the show notes? I'll figure that out. Okay. <laughs> Just reach out to Dr. Amy and ask her yeah. for the guide. Yeah. And and there you set go. up a conversation with her because she is just such a cool person. And I'm so honored to have had this conversation. Thank you for joining me today on Fine is a Four-Letter Word. You're very welcome. And thank you for the opportunity. Appreciate it. I've never heard Dr. Amy's hype song before. I love introductions to music that's new to me. There's a link in the show notes if you'd like to go listen to it. Here are the key takeaways from this one. Number one, perfectionism seems like a good thing until it stops working for you. Understand that your feelings of worth and validation can't be contingent on how others perceive your work. Number two, soul-filling activities and self-care can only take you so far when key parts of your life, like your career, are out of alignment with your core values. All you're doing is temporarily patching the leak, not addressing the problem itself. Number three, courage is not the absence of fear. It's taking action even though you're afraid. That can take time to build up, but it's essential to transforming your life. Number four, transitions in life take time. It seems counterintuitive. However, the more you slow down, the faster you can move through those phases. Number five, intuition and instinct are not the same thing. Every circumstance is neutral, but our minds judge everything and tell a story about it. That internal sense of knowing, that's where our intuition comes from. 